0: Hallelujah! It's always good to have our dear friend, Brother John Muncy, and uh, we're actually partners in crime. Amen. And uh, so, uh, hopefully, we'll be committed for the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to have. Welcome, John, this morning. You know, and Pastor Don's always been committed to Carolyn and I. You know, that, uh, for 25 plus years, we've had the honor to work with this dear brother i don't know why he hasn't got saved yet but he's close <laughs> he's close we believe hallelujah so um we um, 30 plus times i think we've been together uh, last night uh, we had a wonderful meal his uh, precious wife and him uh I guess the second calling is to be chefs and just treated me and Carolyn so good, made me a good vegetarian meal and and uh, feed me and then of course fed Car- Carolyn a good salmon and just had a great time. This guy is an awesome cook. If I can get him away from onions and peppers, yeah, but it, that ain't gonna happen. So it is in the Bible though. The onions is in the Bible one time. It's when they want to go back to Egypt, you know, so that should tell you where he's at, okay? <laughs> you know, Egypt's always been a type of the world. You know the middle letter in the word onion is the middle letter in the word sin. <laughs> it's the middle letter in the word Lucifer. <laughs> I'm just telling you and you you make up anything uh, uh, on, <laughs> onions what do they do? They make you cry, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Put this up there. You need a <laughs> It's in the real Bible buddy, it's in the real Bible, (laughs) right here, Heresy 1-3, Jesus would not eat onions, (laughs) amen, Uh, but anyway we've uh, just had a wonderful time with him last night um, and uh, are looking forward to Monday and Tuesday night, Uh, these these meetings always go by so quickly, we, uh, matter of fact, let me put up a slide for that because uh, starting tomorrow night, it'll be Monday night and Tuesday night only, uh, we'll have two nights on prophecy. Um, some an amazing amount of things are going on. Since we've been here last, um, incredible amount of stuff. I, uh, it, the hardest thing for me is all of you that know me is to try to condense stuff, and it's so much and it's going to be cool. You'll you'll not want to miss these next two nights as we talk about some very interesting things. You know, Jesus himself said that there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. <laughs> That's kind of crazy when you watch what's been going on the last... Um, couple months and it's amazing now uh, we are going to address uh, this very controversial thing a very popular thing I should say uh, about the dating of the rapture for September 23rd we'll show you what the revelation 12 sign is really about you don't want to miss it it's uh, very 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 interesting plus we're going to be talking about obviously the heart of prophecy and that's Israel and uh, we'll cover some very enlightening things. One other thing before we actually get our message, something I've never done before and I'm excited about. And that is we are bringing with us some some old um, messages that I've done down through the years. You know, 40 years on the road preaching. There's a, a lot of material. Many of you will remember me many, many years ago, doing series on rock music. And there's probably not a week goes by somebody doesn't ask me, do you still have that stuff on backward masking and subliminal messages? And do you still have some of those things where you talked about so-and-so band? We have all of them that are going to be available now, but we did them in a really convenient way instead of buying, you know, back in the day it was all cassette tapes, you know, and... Then, of course, they started to come out with CDs. Well, now we've gone past even the CDs. They call them MP3s. Now you can put, you know, on a CD, you can put 70 to 80 minutes on a CD. But now with MP3, you can put hours and hours and hours of videos and uh, messages. And um, so I have four um, series just on rock music. I've got uh, the, the entire book of Daniel... Every chapter in Daniel, my study on, on Daniel and on the book of Revelation. This is a, an eight-hour on one CD. You just put it in your, um, your computer and download it into your iTunes or whatever, your MP3 player. Um, I've got eight hours on SOWIN. I did a crash course, I think, at, what was that, baby, 21 years old? 40 years ago. You want to hear a young John Muncie that sounds like he's from Kentucky? This will be good. <laughs> I went into a little Sunday school, a little tiny church. I probably church probably ran 40. And during the day I just did this whole series on soul winning. I mean that's obviously the heart of any evangelist. Uh, I've got the the entire book of Revelation. Uh, and also I have one, you know, uh, Halloween's coming next month. I have in my book. Uh, on Halloween, and a radio broadcast that uh, we did on WJYM, um, an hour episode, hour broadcast on Halloween, and so all of those are back there. Make uh, take advantage of that. My lovely wife will be back there. By the way, can my lovely wife stand up and turn around, let everybody see? <laughs> Uh, I don't think we were, we, she was with me last time I was here, and last year was my first year in 35 years of not coming to California. I, uh, I didn't even know if we'd ever come back, because um, some very, very serious physical issues that we are currently going through, but by the grace of God, I, I'm here today, and uh, walking and believing the Lord, amen. And those of you that have were and still are hopefully praying for us about my kidney functions, it would uh, just a big, grateful thank you. God bless you, all of you. Well, let's get into the message this morning because we got a lot of uh, ground to cover in these next uh, 25, 30 minutes. I want to talk to you this morning about the un- most important thing there is, and that is how to know you're right with God. You know, uh, you're here this morning... Uh, on your own voluntary will that you decided that uh, you wanted to express your, your love for the Lord, and you've come today. And many of you are here this morning, and you cannot tell me, or anyone for that matter, that you know that you're right with the Lord. And that's, that shouldn't be that way. You should have an assurance when you walk out of this building that you and the Lord have things worked out. And that's God's heart. I remember one day I was uh, at a mall waiting for my wife. Um, She was in in pennies and shopping, and I was sitting. uh, I usually carry my Bible with me when my wife goes shopping. That way I can read the entire New Testament. Uh. But... I know I know <laughs> forgive me, um, but um <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and this elderly lady, she was probably mid to late seventies is sitting next to me, and uh, I just thought I'd start a conversation to you know you know share the Lord with her, and um <clears throat> we started talking for a little few minutes, and she's a very gracious lady and and uh I said, Well, can I ask you a question? And she said, Well, sure. And I said, if you died right now, do you know that you would be ready to meet the Lord? And it was like I slapped her in the face. I mean, she was extremely offended. And she says, Well, young man, I think that's the most arrogant thing I've ever heard. How can anyone know? And she says, I'm a I'm a Catholic and we don't believe that you can know. And I said, well, you know, what would that mean then if, if you died and you found out you wasn't right with God and it's too late? Well, she was not open to that at all. And after talking for just a little minute, you could tell that she didn't want to talk about it anymore. And it was a very tragic thing. I'll never forget it because I, was, I, I remember that evening asking the Lord, please give me something to tell that can answer to that. Because I hear a lot of people think like that. And, you know, the, the, they think it's arrogant that you would say, I know I'm right with God. That's just arrogant to some people. But it is really, believe it or not, it's really taught in the Bible. The Bible tells us just because your priest or your pastor or somebody that you like on television or the radio doesn't necessarily believe that that's not what the Bible says. And just because they say this is this is you're now saved or you're a Christian, that's quite dangerous. If I'm going to depend on somebody else to tell me I'm right with God, I don't think that's really safe. Okay, it would be like somebody trying to say, oh, yeah, well, you're, you know, you're married to Carolyn. Well, I've never met you before. How would you know that? You know? But see, I know that I'm married to Carolyn. I don't doubt at all. And uh, I know I'm right with God. But how could you be so sure, John? Well, let me just show you that this is something that's in the Bible. And I'm not making this up. I, I believe the Bible would be true. So when I read verses like this, this is the little epistle of John right before the book of Revelation. The, John was the guy who wrote the book of Revelation. He's the guy that wrote John 3.16. Okay, this is the apostle John. And he wrote this little letter, probably about, if you typed it out on, on, on your, uh, your page, it would probably take about two two and a half pages, to write the entire book of First John. You could read it in 20 minutes without any problem. And John wrote this little letter, and he concludes it right before he signs off, and he says these words. And everyone look at the screen here. It says, these things have I written unto you. And by the way, isn't this screen really pretty? I like that. It shows up real nice. And, and I want to thank the guys for helping me to uh, uh, get this all incorporated. Pastor Don... Uh, Brought me over here last night, yesterday, and we got it all set up. And it's just fantastic. All I have to do is plug in the power and plug in this, and I'm ready to go. Remember how we used to come and have to set up the screen and all that stuff? I mean, you guys are advancing. I'm telling you. God bless you. Just stay on the edge. Amen. But it says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Let me ask you real quickly, and this is not going to be one of those days where I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, a bunch of stuff. But let me just ask you, how many of you sitting here this morning could say, I believe on the name of the Son of God. I believe in Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Okay. And uh, those of you that might be listening and watching on the Internet, he says, I've written unto you that believe on Jesus. Two reasons I wrote this. Number one, that you may what? What does that say there? that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So he says, I've written this, everything I just wrote. This is the last chapter, chapter five. He says, I've just written these previous chapters just to let you know that you can know that you have eternal life. And if that's not the case, so that you can believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, so I'm gonna address this today that you can know, according to the word of God, you can know that you have eternal life. And by the way, the word know is used in this little tiny book 26 times. I'll tell you a really neat thing to do is when you, if you get the chance this afternoon, just sit down and read First John and take a pen and circle every time the word no is said. It's pretty cool to see how many times he refers to that. And the word no, by the way, literally means in the Greek to be sure. So this is not something you need to doubt. You don't need to doubt your salvation. Now, I know lots of people, and I've, you know, after being on the road as an evangelist for so many years, you know a common thing you hear? I really doubt my salvation. I don't really know if I'm saved. I hope I'm saved, I think I'm saved, I'd like to know I'm saved, Well, how would you know? How could you know that you are or you're not? Well, John says, I wrote these things so you know. Now let's just get this right first of all. Number one, salvation, eternal life, these are all basically the same meanings, is a gift from God. You know what I'm saying? For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a gift. God gives us salvation as a gift you don't pay for it you don't earn it you don't baptism doesn't get it to you obeying the 10 commandments going to church putting something in the offering plate trying to be a good person trying to you know you know balance out your bad deeds by good deeds none of that no you know just you know whatever things you want to try to do that salvation's free you can't buy it's too expensive you can't afford it but he's going to give it to you free And how do we know that? Well, we know that because it's what the Bible says. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Now watch this. This is very important. This life is in his Son. So he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now this doesn't mean you're not breathing. Your heart's not beating. But it means life, eternal life, the life that can only come to a person's soul, your inner being. It didn't, it's not talking about existence. Obviously, you're sitting here watching this. You have existence, but that doesn't mean you have life. Life is in Jesus. And he that hath Jesus, he that hath the Son, hath life. And he that does not have Jesus does not have life. And that's why John says, and these things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now that's that passage put in context. So it's something that you need to know that you can get as a gift. And he says, I wrote this to you so that you know. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go over four of the ways that John says you can know you have eternal life. Now let me just say this. If you don't meet the criteria, mark it down, no matter how sincere you are, no matter how nice you are, no matter how sincere you are, or whatever, no matter how times you've been baptized or went to church all your life, et cetera, et cetera, that's not how you know. There is four Bible ways that John wrote that you can know you have eternal life. Or by the way, you know that you don't have it. And it's going to be real simple. And here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to take... Each passage that uses that, we're going to say what it says. We're just going to let God say it. It ain't John. It's not Don. It's the Lord God. And here's what the Bible says. John wrote these words and says, Hereby we do... What does it say again? No. It says, Hereby we do know that we know him. If, that's a condition, if... We keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a what? And the truth is not in him, but whoso keepeth his word in him, verily, that means truly, sincerely, is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now notice that in that little passage right there, four different times he says no. And what is he saying? Number one, he says, you will know you know him if you keep his commandments. You say, oh, wait a minute. You just contradicted yourself. You just got through saying that it's not keeping the commandments or doing things, and now you're saying the Bible says this. Well, let me just show you what this being said here. John says in chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now, let's look at those two little words that I kind of highlighted there. The word keep means to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard, and to observe. Now, let's read that verse again real quickly, but let's insert that. This is the love of God, that we attend to carefully, that we take care of, that we guard, and that we observe his commandments. And guess what? His commandments are not grievous. And in case you don't know what grievous means, it means heavy, weighty, burdensome, severe, or cruel. His, grievous, his, his commandments are not overwhelming. They're not cruel. Now, if you're not a Christian, they are very cruel to you. You don't like thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't fit with you. You don't like thou shalt not lie, bear false witness, or you don't like all of his commandments because they are burdensome to you. They kind of crimp your style. But if you want to know if you know him, ask yourself this. Do you carefully attend to and take care of and guard and observe his commandments? You say, well, but John, you're still not making sense. You said it's a gift, and yet now you're saying you have to keep his commandments. Well, let's just clarify this. Paul wrote and says, by grace, you are saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. And then notice, no mistake here, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, let's stop there for a second. We'll go to the next verse, but let's stop here for a second. What is what is Paul saying here? Well, guess what? You can't work your way into salvation. You come into church this morning, yay, congratulations, very good. That ain't going to get you to heaven. Going, You've heard the old saying, you can go to McDonald's, but that doesn't make you a quarter pounder, right? You can go to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. Amen? Going to church, being baptized, trying to... Live a good life, praying, repeating uh, the sinner's prayer, signing your name on a book, being uh, being a um, a decent person. those are not what it means to be saved. you said, but but it says, you said a minute ago it was by his commandments, but now what's what's saying here? You're saved by grace through faith. It's not anything that you work, or otherwise, you'd be able to boast. You'd be able to stand and say, I really didn't need for Jesus to die for me because I'm good enough. I don't need God's love and God's forgiveness because I've really outweighed my bad. Not to mention, you've already done bad, dude. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? Well, anyway, it goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? good works. It's like this. I love my wife, but that doesn't make me married. I kiss my wife, but that doesn't make me married. I take care of my wife, but that doesn't make me married. I try to buy her nice things, but that doesn't make me married. But I tell you what, because I am married, I would do all those things. If I was married and loved my wife and didn't do all those things, you'd have to ask yourself, what's the deal, dude? In the same way with us, we're not saved by good works, but when you get saved, you'll start producing good works. And it's it, and, and watch what it says. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, when you're saved, you're going to walk in God's law. You're not going to walk on God's law. You're going to want to be obedient to his commands. No, You know the reason why? Because, remember, before you got saved... You hated the fact that God says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do, do this, do the right, that's just I don't like the do's and the don'ts. But how many know when you get right with God, it's like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then mark it down, friend, you have failed in your first test. Because the Bible makes it clear that if you are saved, if you know him, you're going to keep his commandments. And they're not grievous. It doesn't overwhelm you to do what's right. Number two is found here. Is everybody with me so far? We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Now watch what happens here. Because the second way to know if you're saved, is your attitude about sin. Because if you have this hope in you, this knowing that you're going to be like him, you're going to purify yourself. Watch what it says. Whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of law. We've already said that if you're saved, you're going to obey his commands, his laws. That's not how you get saved, but that's what happens when you become saved. And the same could be said, if you break his laws, if you transgress his laws, then it's obvious something's wrong. And by the way, notice it says, committeth, E-T-H, and uh, transgresseth, I'll explain why E-T-H in just a second. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. The word manifested means he he came out in the open. He was revealed that he might take away our sins, and in him... Is lots of sin? Is that what it says? Some sin? No, it says in him is no sin. So if you're in Christ, then you're not in sin. If you're in sin, then you're not in Christ. Well, let's go on to see what it says in verse 4. Whoso abideth, notice again the ETH, and I'll explain this, just stick with me on this. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whoso sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, does this bother you? Well, by the way, he says, little children, let no man deceive you. And the reason why, and you'll read that several times in the Bible, let no man deceive you. Why is that important? Because this will be an area that there will be great deception about. John says, I want to make this perfectly clear. I don't care who says what. Don't let anybody fool you about this. This is basic. He that doeth. And by the way, let's just stop here for a second. That little ETH, as abideth in him, sinneth not, and who sinneth not. That E-T-H is there as a very amazing gift to English-speaking people. That's saying by the translators that this means it's a progressive Greek word. It's continuing saying something. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth. From the beginning, this is something that you understand. If you keep on continuing in sin, you are not a Christian. You will not habitually be addicted to sin. Now, does that mean Christians don't sin? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Every Christian sins. Now, if you think you're exception, let's talk to your husband or your wife. Or your kids, and they'll help clear up any doubt. Okay? No one here is perfect except for Don Pritchard and myself. And I'm beginning to worry about him. No, no. How many know that's not true? How many know, but there is something here. There's a pattern here. It's not a pattern of sinfulness and addiction. It's a pattern of freedom in Christ and overcoming. Now as long as you are and I are in this flesh, God's gonna work on us. And when you think you have arrived, God says, Well, we got that layer off. Now let's work on the next layer. Okay? But at the same time, you are not this habitual sinner you used to be. When people use and I know this is a sincere thing. People say, I'm a saved sinner. And that I mean, okay, yes, okay, okay, I can see that. But really, you really, you know. You're better than that. It's like the AA. AA will get up and say, hi, I'm John Muncy, and I am an alcoholic. No, you're not. If you're in Christ, you're not. Right. Now, alcohol economics can help you get over alcohol and get, get alcohol out of you. But listen, you get born again, it'll get you out of alcohol. Because something changes on the inside of you about sin. Your attitude about sin all of a sudden says, I don't want to do this anymore. And not only do you not want to do it, you have the power to not do it. Because greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. Whereas you, you wanted to stop drinking, you wanted to stop cussing, you wanted to stop committing adultery, you wanted to stop stealing, but you just, I can't quit. Well, that's because the Bible says you're a slave to sin. And guess what? Everybody has been a slave to sin, but the Bible says you can become a slave to righteousness. You know how how natural it was for you to, to sin? Remember before you got your heart right with God, you could cuss the wall of paper off the wall. It just came naturally. But now you find yourself, now that you got saved, your cusser doesn't work anymore. Come on. What's wrong with my cusser? I can't... All of a sudden, now you find yourself wanting to praise God. And if you do cuss, you feel like crawling under a rock somewhere. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. How many know what I'm talking about? That's because you no longer are a habitual sinner. Now you're a slave to righteousness. Now holiness sounds good. Whereas you were filled with lust, and we're filled with hate, and we're filled with meanness. Now, all of a sudden, you've been born again. Now, you don't want to commit sin. And if you are born again, you won't keep on committing sin. You're sitting here right now and saying, well, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Well, good. Because if you are a habitual sinner and you can't stop your sinning, you need to get shot right with God. And guess what? You being good enough on your own, you being powerful, oh, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to break this thing. No, you need to get born again. Yeah. By the way, yeah, but man, this is awful condemnatory. Man, Jesus said to the woman committed adultery, neither I condemn you. You're up there, condemn it. No, 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 you know what? Did you not read the entire statement? Jesus said to this woman caught in the act of adultery when she said, you know, she she actually... With her mouth confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus looked at her after she said with her mouth, Jesus is Lord. She called him Lord. Jesus said, Where are your condemners? Said, They're nowhere, Lord. And Jesus said, Well, neither do I condemn you. Now go and do the best you can. Is that what it says? <laughs> neither do I condemn you. You know, go back and you know, hang out with your boyfriend. No, she's, he said, lady, I don't condemn you. Now quit your sin business. Quit. Stop it now. Don't do this anymore. Do not. If, her, if she was a liar, he'd say, I don't condemn you. Now stop lying. If she was a thief, he would say, okay, I, I, I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Now stop stealing. Simple as that. Jesus did not save you in your sin. He saved you from your sin. If you are habitually sinning, here it says, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death, but we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. Now, you're one of those two. Either you're lying in wickedness, or you have become an overcomer. And by the way, it says the wicked one touches you not. Now, let me tell you something. You're saying, well, I know my problem is I got a demon. I got a demon of, of lust. I got news for you it ain't in the Bible. There's no demon that's a demon of lust. There's a work of the flesh, adultery. If you're living in adultery, sir, you're living in adultery, ma'am, it's not a demon. Oh, I'm a Christian. I can talk in dogs, but I got a I need to get deliverance. No, you need to get saved. When you get saved, you get delivered. Because the wicked one, let me ask you this. Jesus said that about himself. He says, the wicked one touches me. And I, you think Jesus was demon-possessed? I mean, the people thought he was. They said he was. But you know what? When you're born again, the enemy, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, he cannot control you. Because I got news for you. If God moves in, hell moves out. Amen? <laughs> They're not going to work together. Hey, which bedroom you want here? I'll take that one. You take the back one. No. Jesus get out of here. This is my house. Amen? And we know that we are of God. The whole world lies in wickedness. Let me just say this real clearly and we'll go to the next one. If you're lying in wickedness, if your life, let's just say this week, you did things that if pastor knew about it or if it was put up on the screen, you would be so embarrassed. But the only problem is You've asked the Lord to forgive you time and 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 time again. You keep going back to it. That's not repentance. That's not getting right with God. That's just trying to appease and make yourself better. The Bible says the only way you're going to get over this is to get born again. And when you're born again, the Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Not only can you hate your sin, you can quit your sin. Right. Is everybody still with me? Okay. All right, let's go to, and, and by the way, Jesus died for a reason. He didn't die well, he's just so I can get to heaven. Well, yeah, yeah, but notice what it says, this is the purpose, the Son of God was manifested or brought to light, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Whosoever is born of God does not commit Sin. That word there means to prolong and continue in sin. Because listen, you are working the devil's work, friend. Come on, Jesus came to break that devil work in your life. He came to destroy that thing that's in your life that's made you a slave. He says, but whosoever's born of God is not going to prolong and continue in committing addictively, uh, habitually overpowered by sin and why? For his seed and and Pastor did a series about seed you understand his seed, God's seed remaineth E-T-H in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You cannot keep on going on in your sin because you've been born of God. Now if that's not clear I don't know what could be. So he says, in this, the children of God are manifest, and the children are devil. It's one or two. By the way, either God's your father or the devil's your father. He said, here's, here's how you know. Whosoever doeth, E-T-H, whosoever doeth not righteousness, of not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Which brings us to point number three. Amen. Point number three is how to know, marvel not, my brethren, don't be, uh, by the way, marvel not, that's one of the reasons why you ought not go see Spider-Man. Oh, that that was just a joke, I'm really sorry, okay. Marvel not, anyway, right, okay, sorry. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, don't be shocked if the world hates you, But guess what? We know that we have passed, watch this, from death into life because we love the brethren. Now listen, John says, I've written these things to you so that you can know. Number one, you're going to keep his commandments. Number two, your attitude about sin is going to change. And number three, you will know by your Christ-like love. You're going to change your love. Whereas you used to love sin, now you hate sin. Whereas you hate people, now you love people. He says, This is how you know you've passed. And I like the statement you passed from death into life. Did you know before you get born again, you're dead? You're dead in your trespasses and sins. But the Bible says we know that we've passed from that state into a state of life because how? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And keep on remembering those ETHs. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Is there any shock that someone that would be a murderer would not be saved? Isn't it funny? You take the list there in Galatians and Corinthians where it talks about the works of the flesh and et cetera. And people, you know, one of them, let's say, for example, is drunkardness. You know, if you're a drunk, if you keep getting drunk, okay, do you know that the Bible says that no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God? Yeah, but John, I don't do it all the time. I just, you know, I mean, I get drunk, okay, I admit, maybe once or twice a year, okay, I'm sorry, But I love the Lord. I'm a Christian. You know, I just, you know, sometimes. Folks, nobody blinks an eye, especially in our day. Nobody blinks an eye. we got so many sipping saints, nobody thinks about that anymore, you know. But wouldn't it be funny, writing that same list with drunkards is the word murderers. So we're going to take that one out. We're going to say, okay, I will admit, I do kill people every once in a while. But, hey, I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Christian. I mean, I don't do it all the time. I mean, like. Two people a year, okay? Yeah. How many know that that doesn't doesn't sound right? Well, sure it doesn't sound right because we think that's wrong. Well, the Bible says all of it's wrong. Matter of fact, it even goes so far to say that if you hate somebody, you are a murderer. I don't like that. Well, that's because the commandments are grievous to you. You need to get born again. Well, I just, I can't handle certain people. I don't like people from that side of the city. Okay? I don't like people, you know, these, these particular people, this, this particular race. I just have a problem with them. You want me to tell you the reason why? You never got saved. I tell you what, you get saved, you get colorblind. You know, if you, if you, if you are prejudiced, you're not born again. Yeah, but I speak in tongues. You ain't going to heaven, buddy. Speak tongues all you want. But if you don't have this love, here's what it says. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. And then he goes on to say, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. I mean, how basic does that mean need to be? Is that not kindergarten Christianity? If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Oh, really? You you really think you love God? Well, sure, I love God. Yeah, but you can't sit next to so-and-so because you don't like them. Yeah, but they did this, they did this. Well, the Bible says, and Jesus said it, If you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. Oh, but I'm going to skip that verse and still say I'm a Christian. I'm thinking you might want to meet your needs with his words instead of your thoughts. Because we're talking he made the rules. See, his, 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 his commandments are not grievous. Yeah, but John, you don't understand. I, you, you don't understand how I was raised. I was raised around these people. I'll tell you why. I just have a problem with them. I know. Get born again and you won't have a problem. Yeah, but they hurt me, they did this, they did... Well, okay, so did you, idiot. You did just as bad as everybody else. How many has never done bad yet? Well, anyway, this is the commandment we have from him. That he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And his his commandments are not weighty. It's easy to love God. So if you're sitting here right now and you can't love so and so, you can't forgive so and so, you can't you don't stand so and so, you don't like this particular kind of race or these people, you know what you need? You need a good dose of undiluted salvation. Cuz it'll make you new. The fact of the matter is when you come into Christ, you come into love. You enter into a brand new region. Suddenly, The person that was hateful and mean and irritated has suddenly got this unexplainable love for the world, for everybody. Now, that doesn't mean you won't ever have a disagreement, but in spite of the problems, you're going to love them. I mean, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt when somebody says something nasty to you. But how would, you know, we've all heard the phrase what would Jesus do? Well, ask yourself this. Do you think anybody ever cussed out Jesus? Think anybody ever slapped Jesus? Think anybody ever beat Jesus or pulled his beard or spit on him? But you know what? His words is, Father, forgive them. They don't even realize what they're doing. How could you do that? Because it is a unexplainable thing that happens inside of you when Jesus comes and lives in you. It's a love that goes beyond human will. Amen? Hereby we, and this is the fourth one now, you know you're saved if you keep his commandments. Your attitude about sin changes. You're going to love. It's going to replace your hatred. And number four, it's going to have to do with an inner assurance. Look at what it says. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. How do you know? you are right with God, is because there is this inner confidence. There's this uh, inward assurance. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. What happens when you get saved? Listen, God takes his residence inside of you by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit... God's presence becomes in you and you become adopted into the system the family. That's why the scripture says, we hereby we hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. This is how you can know because he's given us of his spirit. And when his spirit takes residence in us, there there is an inner assurance. There's something that happens, and it says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. As I'm standing before you right now, I can say with no confidence in me, in nothing that I am or try to do, but I can say by the grace of God, by the spirit of God, I can tell you I have an inner witness. Something that is inside me that I can say, I know that I know that I know him. Amen. I know it. Amen. I don't have a doubt. Now, if my, de- my salvation was dependent upon some of you, you would doubt my salvation. Or you wouldn't believe that I might be saved. And if it always depended on me, I mean, I, sometimes I have to admit it's like, why would god take me why would i be right with him why would i have anything to even offer him i mean what god who is magnificently above anything i can comprehend how could he care about this little tiny speck on the planet and I, that's just floating in a gigantic huge universe that is a speck in the universe but the bible tells us that he does this by his spirit it tells us in romans the Spirit self-beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You say, well, John, what does that mean? Well, let me just tell you this. Now, this is not, I'm not saying this to be idiot, but if you don't know what that means, then you're not saved. And that's not arrogant. I'll just put it this way. If this has happened, you know it. If this has not happened, you won't know it. If there is not an inner assurance, if there's not this thing inside of you, then all the talk in the world can't get it inside of you. That's, that's why it's dangerous to tell somebody they're saved. You know, you baptize somebody and get them up and say, okay, well, now you're born again. No. Because they might have been a dry sinner and you put them under water and they come up a wet sinner. That didn't make them saved. I, I've, I've seen people, and I've done this myself, lead people in prayer. Let's say people come to receive Christ, and I'll lead them in prayer. And I used to say, well, now you prayed this prayer, now you're born again. Until one day it dawned on me, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Because what's going to happen two weeks from now when that person doesn't have John Muncy around saying, hey, now you're saved? What's going to happen two weeks from now when the enemy says, you know what, you're not good enough. You didn't mean that prayer. Look what you did. Christians wouldn't do things. You're not saved. God God didn't save you. Well, what they go, oh, no, where's my pastor? Where's my... No, you know what? It has to be something that goes on inside. And the only one that can get on the inside of you is this Holy Spirit who says he will bear witness with your spirit. The fact of the matter is it says... But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. You know what happens? If you're saved, the Spirit of God is inside of you. Now, that doesn't doesn't mean you've got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You're never going to come to a place where you're going to get everything. There is because you can't. He's an unlimited God. I do believe that there's another experience outside of salvation that we commonly refer to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that salvation is not talking in tongues. Salvation is not some gift of spirit or raising your hands or singing in the spirit or any of that stuff. Listen, listen. This is something that is clearly stated that if the spirit of God does not dwell in you, you're not his. Is everybody with me? The fact is, it says, and because you are sons, God has sent his, forth his spirit of his son into your hearts. Uh, listen, you and I got adopted. We're a part of the family. And now he says, he sent his son, his spirit into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And the word is really almost like saying daddy. That's the kind of relationship that you should have. And you know what? You know just as well as I do, um, and I, you know, after 25 years of being here, I've seen little ones born and turn into young men and young ladies, but any time that Sean, for example, his little babies, I always got some cute babies, I don't know why Sean would have cute babies, it has to be his wife, <laughs> but they'll come and they'll, wrap, they'll run into daddy's arm and they'll love. You know the reason why? Because there's a relationship there. And now that child's a teenager or in his 20s. And it's still, this is daddy. And this is what God wants for you, for you and me. He wants to be your father. Father. He wants to be Abba. He wants to be Daddy. Abba was a word that they would, you know, uh, in in the Greek, it's just kind of derivative directly from the Greek. It's it's like the first little Abba, you know, so a little baby could just, you know, pronounce words. This is, this, is, this is kind of what is being said there. This is a childlike baby love that you have with your Heavenly Father. And, you know, that's what God... Has for you, he has a love for you, a love that there's an assurance, and that's why some of you can't enjoy worship, and the reason why, because you don't know him. You endure worship, but you don't enjoy it because there's not like this connection. It's like you trying to relate to me as a father. I'm not. I'm not your father. And you can't relate to me. You might be my friend. Or you might want to you know, get to know me. But you'll never know me like you would know your father. And that's how it is with God. Coming to church, you have friends. But this is something that you can be out in the middle of a field somewhere. And you're connected to the creator of it all. Your father is. And it's a cry of your heart. It's because it's a witness. So, let's look at this and I'm done. It says, These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may, what? Know that you can be sure that you have eternal life. This life, he said, was in his Son. And so, if you have the Son, you have life. If you don't, then you don't have life. So, what is it? Number one, you're going to keep his commandments. Number two... Your attitude about sin changes. Number three, you're going to be naturally a lover. It just comes naturally. And number four, you're going to have an inner witness in you. You're going to have that assurance that your wife can't talk you out of, your children can't talk you out of, your husband can't talk you out of, your friend can't talk you out of, and guess what? Nobody can talk it into you. It's there because he made it clear. I know that I know that I know that I know. Amen. Now, let's just say that you're here this morning and you are a very sincere person. You have you know, you try to come to church and you try to do things and you want to do better and but you don't know. You don't, you just have to say John after seeing these four things. I have to say I I felt the test. I I don't really have this. What can I do? Well, what can you do is illustrated by a bridge that has been a bridge that's sealed a gap between you and God where you got separated. We're all in the same boat together, friend. The Bible says all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. We've fallen short because our life is voluntarily in rebellion against God. No one has not sinned. And as a result of our own rebellion and sin, we have said, okay, God, get out of my life. Leave me alone. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't like your particular rules. No one can say that's not happened. I don't care how young or how old you are in this building right now. You have sinned on your own. Wasn't dad's fault, wasn't mom's fault, wasn't your friend's fault, it's your fault. And as a result of that voluntary rejection of God's way, you've been separated. But God says, listen, I love you and I want to fix it. Now here's the two offers. Either you pay for your sin or I'll pay for your sin. I'll take care of it. Which do you choose? We'll say, well, what what do you mean if I pay for my sin? Well, here's the deal. Sin brings judgment. Sin brings, I mean, wages of sin is death. Death is separation. Either you are going to be separated from God now. You're going to be separated God physically in death. You're going to be separated from God for eternity in hell. And you'll pay for your sin. Which... That's what a lot of people choose. Or, you can say, I will take your deal that you've paid for my sin. Well, how does God pay for your sin? Well, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now, God offers to you a bridge. And that bridge is the cross of Christ. And how do you come in? You come in by grace. And you come in by faith. And you walk toward him who has laid the bridge down for you. He's not going to coax you and say, get over here or, you know, or else. No, he says, whosoever will, let him come to me. Come to the cross. It's that way or your way. And there's no other way. See, this is what makes... Salvation in Christianity, very unique. All religions, you gotta do something to come right with God. In Christianity, everything's done. You got to receive it, just like you would any other gift. Now, if you don't want it, that's your choice. But you can never say that God didn't offer it to you because he offers it to you right now, this very moment. If the scripture says, it's so close to you, it is near as your heart and your mouth. That if you believe in your heart that God raised that Christ came, died for your sin, raised him from the dead, and you'll say with your mouth, you'll confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. How simple is that? God said it's so simple that a person who is a fool can be saved. It's that simple. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, it says very clearly whosoever believeth on him. And the word believes on is the same thing. And I use this illustration this morning. And with this, I'll, I'll end. This, this stool, I believe in that stool. I believe in it. But it's not doing me any good to believe in it. The Bible says, he that believeth on the Son hath life. What's the difference? Well, when you believe on something, you are putting your weight you're laying down the full weight of who you are on him to hold you up just right now you're sitting in that seat you believe in that seat but you also believe on that seat cuz you're sitting on it not in it you're sitting on it right that's the same thing you put your the whole weight of your life on Christ on that cross And you say, Lord, I trust, I believe on you. If you'll do that, you know what? That's God's awesome way into the kingdom. Now, where does that put you at right now? Well, it puts you in a decision mode because God says, it's to whosoever will, let him come. If you're sitting here right now, You're a nice person. You came to church, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't know that you're right with God. It's so simple, friend. It's an act of your faith. It's an act of your will. It's offered to you freely. Everyone that has received it, received it on the same level. You're saved the same way Billy Graham was saved. You're saved the same way that the biggest drug pusher ever got saved. You're saved the same way a a little child gets saved by putting your faith and trust in the Lord God. Would you bow your head for a moment?